This episode is sponsored by the One Membership by Template Monster. Hello everybody and welcome to the HTML All the Things Podcast episode 75, Templates versus Custom Websites. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Ran. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there are a couple ways you could do that. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. We only have a couple of tiers, but that second tier, will, that $3 tier, excuse me, will give you a shout out on the show and we will leave a link to your website in our show notes. And probably the most important one, as I try to sneeze, excuse me, and probably the most important one is just to tell your friends that we are here and ready to be listened to, and if you or your friends are ready uh, to uh, go a step further, you can come hang out with us in our Discord channel, uh, Discord server, excuse me, Uh, we also have, uh, where we have well over 200 members now, I think it's actually well over 300 now, 300 members now, so come check out our Discord server, Uh, but Mike, weekly pain point, which is kind of a combined one, please take it away. Okay, so uh, we actually did have a weekly pain point, uh, which spun out of control because we were talking about Star Wars, uh, and it ended up being about 20 or 30 minutes. So I know we don't want to bore people that want to hear about development uh, with that. So we're just going to spin that out as a clearly labeled tidbit later this week uh, or next week, whatever. I'm just going to release it later than what you're listening to this on, uh, when you're listening to this, uh, and then... You'll be able to see it, and if you care about our opinion on Star Wars, you can absolutely go listen to that. If you don't care, it's just a tidbit, and it's going to be labeled, so you can just skip it and go to the next episode. So, Mike, weekly pain point, an actual weekly pain point, please take it away. Okay. Uh, yeah, so my weekly pain point this week is intermittent fasting. So I've been trying something new with kind of a diet. Uh, I go from kind of different health routines uh, just because I get bored of one. So I, I was doing like a slow carb, like low carb diet before. Now I'm doing intermittent fasting, um, which is kind of tough because you can't eat from the morning. So when you wake up until about 1130 and then you you stop eating at about 730 at night. So you have like a, what what is that? An eight hour period or eight, seven hours? Is it 816 fast? I think. Yeah. 816 fast. Um but so far, it's been working pretty decently for me. And it, it's not really designed to, like, make you, you know, super healthy or lose weight like crazy. But it is designed to kind of help you maintain. Um, and that's what that's what I needed. Like, I, I for my health routine, I prefer more structure than just, you know, trust your own instincts and eat whatever, like, you think is right. I don't – it doesn't work for me. Like, I've tried many times. I usually just end up snacking at, like, 8 p.m. on chips while I'm watching something on TV. And that's not the greatest thing for your health. So – it's been okay. Like the intermittent fasting has been pretty good and I'm going to continue doing it. Uh, but it's definitely a little bit difficult, especially in the mornings when you can't even have coffee. Uh, I thought you could have coffee on that. No, it's like with, with, with no milk and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, some people say you can, some people say you can't. So I've kind of cut it out. And the, the other reason I cut out the coffee is because coffee on an empty stomach for a while kind of doesn't bode well. Oh, for, Oh, it's like a personal thing. Yeah, exactly. Because I so actually, I just... like, I actually did, like, inadvertently did sixteen eight for a while, uh, or eight sixteen or whatever they call it, because I just, because I don't really eat breakfast, I get up later, because uh, I like to work later, and then I just wasn't, like, I just don't really snack at night sometimes, like, so I just went on this, like, weird period where I was like, oh, I'm actually, like, kind of doing this weird health regime that I heard about on Joe Rogan at one point, and I was just like, oh, okay, and, like, I did feel better, and I was just doing it, like, again, inadvertently. But then the holidays hit, but I didn't like lose any weight, not the not noticeable. 
And I did it. I did it for probably like a month. I want to say. I think. But I so mean, you did it for you did it for. I don't. I don't know. Like it. I, I think it was a month. Are you sure you didn't lose any weight? Not because, noticeable anyway. Because the last time I saw you, I did see a difference in weight. Oh. Maybe that's. I always go by like my uh, size. Like if I if I have to like tighten my belt or something, then I'm. But that doesn't. It's not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily correlate one to one the size of your belt because you can always go up and down on your waist, right? Oh, I suppose. Yeah. So it's better to just measure, like actually weigh yourself and see. But I I did. I thought your your face slimmed down a little bit. Like I didn't know what it was. Obviously. Oh. Maybe I should go back on it then after the holidays. Maybe. I mean, if it works for you, I think it's one of those things like with, with fasting or with any sort of diet or anything, it's more like what works for you. Yeah. 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 That is something that you can maintain rather than like forcing yourself to do it because that's never going to work. Or at least someone that has like bad self-control, which me, I have pretty bad self-control. It's not going to work unless I had actually, like I actually can't do it and it doesn't bother me too much. So well, that's what the one thing so, that helped so me was uh, gum. Because I actually did mm-hmm. like try a few times, like because I once I realized I was kind of doing it naturally, mm-hmm. I was just sort of doing it. Uh, gum actually helped. Uh, diet pop, like anything zero cal, I went for. So you you had diet pop even during your fast, Be- kind of. Yeah, thing, because or? it was zero calorie. Because like apparently, but it's not about the calories; it's about the sugar content. Because like I know it has zero sugar, but it still has like sugar substitute. Well, it makes you it makes you hungry. So, like, one of the things, and this might be stupid, I'm not a health guru, please do not mm-hmm. take my health advice, but in my personal experience, what I was doing was, like, I'll stay up late, so, I'll, like, when I'm getting really tired, I'll turn something on and fall asleep, and I will, like, drink a Diet Pop, and then I'll yeah. go to bed, so I don't really feel that hunger, because I've heard that, like, what it does is the Diet Pop doesn't actually break the fast, necessarily, unless you're doing it for gut rest, but okay. what it does is it, what it does is it, like, comes in... It comes in as like a it, – it tells your body that you're ready to eat. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like if you start eating M&Ms and then you can't stop eating M&Ms. It's like because you ate those few, you got some sugar, and now you're fired up to eat, I guess. Again, please consult a health professional because I don't know, yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But yeah, uh, so that's that's kind of been my weekly pain point. Uh, I don't know if you want to go on to yours or – well, how long have you been doing again. it as a brief question on the side? Uh, not that long. Uh, so maybe maybe a month now. So I got back. Yeah, so about about a month and a bit, a month and a week or two. So how has, like, is there been any changes? And should I try to do it again? It. I have, yes, I have lost weight. Not a ton, mind you. But it has, not only, like, I've lost a little bit of weight, but the, my main goal with the intermittent fast, because I'm not really supplementing it with anything, right. is to just kind of maintain and not gain weight. So I haven't gained weight either, even though I haven't really limited myself too much. You're not supposed to, eating. right? Like, not too yeah, much? Not too much. Like, I have, I have like, I make sure that I don't eat too much bread and stuff like that. But, like, I, for the most part, I just eat what I want during that fast, during during the non-fasting time. So it's been good in that sense. That's a major problem in our house is, like, I've tried to explain to family members, especially over the holidays, where it's like, hey, like, we shouldn't be drink- eating so much bread, but since we're half Italian, it's like, what are you talking right. about? And then I'm like, you also can't have pasta. You realize that. It's like, no, no. Okay. Well, like, I mean, I still do it. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, if someone makes pasta, I'm not going to be like, nope, get a bread. It's, t- it's tough to say, no, no, I have the same problem. That's that's what literally the intermittent fasting is supposed to help me with. It's like, so at least I can stop eating in, in the evening and then I can have a certain amount of period where I'm not eating 
it, it essentially helps me helps eliminate my snacking problem at night. I was about That's to it. say, is this just all about skipping one meal? Is this just all about like maybe if you didn't do sixty eight, yeah. you would just do two meals and then just not do a third and then also yeah. not snack? Yeah, that could also work the same, probably the same way. See, that's interesting. Maybe I'll yeah. maybe I'll try that because it's pretty easy. It just I'll just like yeah. oh I'm a little hungry. I'll chew some gum. Like that that literally helps me. Like oh I'll just yeah. chew some gum. No, it'll it'll for that'll for sure work too if it works for you again. Like that's it's one of those things that it has to work for you. Yeah. Um. Well, my uh my weekly pain point just sort of getting back at it. So we bought some new social media tools and we're kind of preparing a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so it's literally just the hustle and bustle of getting back into it. I forgot how to record the episode briefly and stuff like that. Like just little goofy things because we've been away on holiday. Uh, so that's basically my weekly pain point. Pretty standard. I'm sure everyone's kind of experiencing that as they go back to their day jobs sort of thing. So, uh, so. Anyway, so I'll just kind of briefly introduce this segment because it's a Mike heavy episode and then uh, Mike could take it away, of course. So this episode is going to be about uh, templates versus custom websites, basically whether or not you should be developing something from scratch or whether you should be using something that's pre-built like a site builder or other components. Uh, so segment one is going to be the uh, the templates. Uh, two is going to be talking about the custom websites. And then, of course, we have our uh, web news, which is untitled because it's more of an idea and we'll get to that when we get to it. So, Mike, please take it away. All right. So, uh, yeah, this week, like Matt said, we're going to be talking about templates versus custom websites. I think it's a pretty relevant topic for anyone that's starting out because you're always, A, trying to justify to a client why you would use a template or why you would want to use a custom website. And B, you want to justify to yourself, like, because it's always like, I don't know, what, I don't know about you, but when I had, when I was first starting out and going into web design, I was like, well, why would I ever, you know, build myself, build everything from scratch if this custom template looks so great and I can't design this? So it's one of those things where um, it just it's it's a question that I had when I was first starting out. And it's a question that still pops up every once in a while. So I think I just want to break down both elements, the pros and cons of both. So custom websites and and templates and when I would use one and when I wouldn't use one. Those are the kinds of situations that I want to talk about. And then maybe Matt can chime in with some of his thoughts uh, and when maybe some examples of when we did do those kinds of uh, decisions. So uh, for for templates to start off, uh, an already created website that has our that has the ability for the user to change certain elements to fit their branding information either through a CMS like WordPress uh, stuff like that or through basic CSS, HTML, and JS files. So that's a template. Um, and it can also be a site builder, like Matt was saying, like Wix, Squarespace, uh, Webflow, uh, to a certain degree, has has a lot of templates, obviously. So any anything that's already pre-created, essentially. Um, and there, there's a reason that templates exist. Like, people sometimes like to crap on templates and be like, why would you ever, like, you're not a serious web developer if you use a template and stuff like that. But, but that's not true. Like, you shouldn't do that because there's a reason and a use for templates regardless of your experience in the matter and stuff like that. Like, there is a reason that they exist. And the reasons are that they provide a quick way for you to get your client's idea online. Uh, they... Because of the time savings of that, the, the quick way of the fact that a lot of the stuff is already pre-created for you and you just have to adjust things here and there, like colors and information, uh, it, it provides a time savings, which makes everything cheaper. So if a client comes to you and has a smaller budget uh, and they just can't expand that budget and they just need to get their idea online right now, uh, this is definitely a template situation where you would go to them like, listen, uh, I can't build you something custom because that would take me 
X amount of time, but I can, we can find a template together that you like and I like, and we can both work on it together in the, in the sense that like, if you want to change things, I can tell you if it's possible or not. Um, and we can get something online quickly and it won't cost as much. Uh, and then also it, it does provide a lot of out of the box functionality. Some of the templates, obviously not all, uh, to be able to add features pretty quickly, like e-commerce or like a, a, a you know, a rotating carousel, stuff like that, like, like specific features that are present in templates. And each template is obviously different, but they do have, they do share a lot of things here and there. Um, so it, it adds the ability to add those features quickly rather than having to find your own kind of solution for them. Um, and also they all allow people with little to no design skills, uh, me especially, uh, to create a modern website that can be viewed as professional, especially by the regular users that are going to be visiting the site. Now, some people will say like, oh, you know, people can tell that it's a template right away. But people as in web developers, maybe that's true. It's possible that they can tell it's a web developer. But a lot of the times when you're building a website, you're not building it for web developers. You're building it for regular people, regular users. And when they're just checking to see what your, you know, what your, the number of your business is or where, where can I find you and what you do, they don't care a, they don't care what what template you're using and they don't know what template you're using. And B, they're just looking for that information. So if the template provides you an easy way to display that information, it's not necessarily a bad idea to use it. That's that's kind of like the positives that I see with the with it with using a template. Well, also actually with that, depending on the platform you're using, so something like WordPress for example is very accessible uh or more accessible than most. So, you know, there's 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 templates in like a marketplace on WordPress. So you get in WordPress installed, which often people will go to a host, use a one, one step installer. So you were mentioning, for example, that there's no, or like you can, with no design skills, you can have a nice looking website. Well, it's also with no or minimal development skills as well. So we do have people where they'll just struggle through creating a WordPress site. They'll just look up, how do I make a WordPress site? And then bang, they just do it. It's not something like, well, actually they could do it on Webflow as well with a template. Uh, they wouldn't be able to do the advanced changes, but they would be able to sort of struggle through it. Uh, WordPress is, I would say, a little more accessible than Webflow in terms of making changes. But they are, they're able to, like people who are tech savvy, but are not developers, if that makes sense. So they're always on a computer, but they just don't, they're just not in this field. Maybe they're an accountant or something. A lot of these people will be able to spin up their own website, especially with a site builder, uh, or with a WordPress site by using tools like one, one click installers, uh, using the, the, the template marketplace, using page builders that are built into certain templates, stuff like that. Uh, that, that's also a huge advantage, I find, uh, for the templates as well, because if you're starting out and you don't know what you're, doing as a business owner or if you just you're just a fan of something and you want to have a website then you could start and get at least the basics or a, a good amount of your functionality or all of it from just using a template yeah absolutely and I, I agree that 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 is a huge advantage of, of templates um but i mean with all those advantages there is situations and there are situations that when a template doesn't work and there are negatives to using a template so some of those are uh, because they work with so many situations as possible, they're usually very bloated with a ton of resources that are not used for every particular site. So when you buy a template, they already have a bunch of features built into it that are supposed to accommodate not only you, but, you know, hundreds of other people or thousands of other people that are buying this template. So it might have a slider, but you're not using a slider, but it still has it somewhere built in. And when you load that template onto a website and when you, when a client goes to it, it's still loading that slider. 
right? Like it's still it's still going to load that slider in, uh, somewhere in its resource pack. Maybe it's not going to load it like visually, but somewhere in its resource pack, that slider is going to exist. And that's going to weigh down your uh, load times. That's going to weigh down your SEO because you have stuff that's going to dead links. Like there's dead links in, in a lot of templates that you have to watch out for. And it, it is possible to remove some of this stuff and some templates do it better than others, et cetera, et cetera. But that does require work. And when you, when you start putting work into a template, that's when it, starts to not make sense to have a template. Um, so, and then depending also on the template, it may not be responsive on all devices because again, you're not the one creating this. Uh, this could be, this could have been created five years ago when there's not as many different devices out there. So it could be, you know, maybe a, a tablet of this aspect ratio is not going to work. Maybe a smaller phone is not going to work because it was created right now. Uh, and smaller phones are very like, you know, not accessible to people like that are creating websites right now, like, you know, older iPhones and stuff like that. But older iPhones are still a big part of people's user uh, use cases day to day. So if you don't design your template to work on an older iPhone, you're still going to be alienating a lot of people. So those are the kinds of things, again, you have to watch out for and B, you might have to put work into to create a better experience with a template. And again, like I said before, and I'm going to say it a few times in this uh during these segments is that if you're trying to put a lot of work into a template, it's already possible that you should be building a custom website. Well, I, um, actually with that being yeah. said, uh, just as mm-hmm. a, a sort of a high profile example is last night I was setting up the, I forget the exact name, but it's like the Facebook official posting thing. So there's like, there's, there's like this thing on, I think it's business.facebook.com or something where you can kind of set up your tools and you can actually like schedule posts and stuff like that on Instagram and on Facebook uh, directly from this official tool. And I was doing that on my iPad and it was like half the stuff was being cut off. So the reason why I bring that up is that even a high profile company like uh, like uh, Facebook has problems with responsivity. Now, whether that's due to Safari, maybe it would work in the mobile Chrome at that aspect ratio. I don't know. But the point is there are UI issues that people are going to overlook because you can't test on like this is a specifically a seventh gen. Well, did they test on that with maybe in, like I think it was in landscape Did they test on it. You know, there's so many options just with this iPad. And then there's so many other iPads, iPhones, Samsung, like whatever. So you're like, yeah, there's going to be glitches in your template that if you're not a programmer, you're not going to be able to fix. Exactly. So it, it, it can be a serious issue. It can also be not a serious issue. Like if you're elevating only like 0.5% of your audience, then it's not a big deal. And when you're building your own custom website, you get to make those decisions. Whereas when you're choosing a template, the decisions have already been made for you and it's tough to fix. Um, and the other thing is that because they're built by someone else, the templates, it's really tough to add functionality to them. So if you have a situation where you, you're, you've built, like you've chosen the template and everything's fine, but then the customer, you know, three months after you launch it comes to you and is like, I really need a photo gallery that can, you know, you can swipe and you can go to a different photo gallery or something really simple like that even, uh, you can be in a in a very difficult spot where you have to tell your customer, listen, this is going to be a very extensive ad to a project, even though you're saying what you're saying is simple technically. But because we've chosen a template, I have to go in and figure out the template's code and then integrate my own code in there. And and a really interesting example, and going back to Matt's car analogies, um, is that it's like asking a Ford mechanic to work on a Chevrolet or something like that. So bringing in a new feature into an already existing template is very similar to, to doing something like that. Like, so asking, asking a mechanic to work on a car that he 
doesn't know how to work on. So he, of course, he knows the, the fundamental aspects of like, you know, a muffler and all that, but he doesn't know exactly how to fit it into this, the body of this car. So he has to go in and jank something together. And that's exactly what you're going to have to do if you're working on a template. Um, that, that, now that, that, that's a really good analogy because mm-hmm. it, 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 it's the same for, it's the same for custom and pre-made. Unless the mm-hmm. pre-made is built such that there's plugins, like there's a plugin system, again, like WordPress, or if there's uh, some sort of like endpoints that you can easily like reach off, like reach, reach off of, there's some sort of endpoints that you can use, um, stuff like that, where it's like built for, built to be built upon. It's this, it's the equivalent of bringing a custom car to a mechanic, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Or like a completely different brand or whatever, and then having them being like, "Hey, can you can just do this." If you bring me a Mac, I mean, I get the fundamentals. I know I can word process on there, but like, I don't know. I actually, like, seriously, I don't know how to access that. Yep, I'd have to stumble around. And I'd figure it out, but maybe the way I'm doing it is really inefficient. Who knows? Exactly, and that's exactly what what's going to happen. Most likely, is you're going to do something that's going to be extremely inefficient, and not only that, because you're making those changes you might be breaking something else that you didn't know about because you didn't put it together. So this, the thing that you're changing could, could be something that rely, like something that is relied upon by five different components in that template. And you don't know that because again, it's not, unless it's labeled perfectly, which sometimes they are, if you're buying a really expensive template that's been used by hundreds of thousands of people, maybe everything is perfectly labeled. But even then, you could have situations where it's just, it's just a use case that they didn't think of and you're changing something that they didn't think you would. And that can break a lot of different things. So again, changes to a template are difficult and usually you want to avoid them as much as possible. Um, and these can add up really quickly. And Matt and I have talked about it on the podcast before where like when you're getting gathering requirements from a client and they're pushing for a template because of cost purposes, you have to ask them very specifically and, and, and tell them and like label it specifically in the contract that if you have extra changes past these requirements, they will A, require a complete redesign, B, require extensive amounts of extra work to be able to put them in the changes and might not work correctly. Like it, there, there has to be very specific language and you, you can't, you don't only put it on the contract, tell the client very specifically about the limitations of a template. Again, they can be very useful in, in very certain situations where the client is okay with all the functionality of that template and doesn't see in the next, you know, five years adding anything that's, that could change the template. Uh, the, that's a situation where you can absolutely use one. But as soon as they're like, Oh, I really like this template, but I don't like A, B and C about it. No, move away. Either find a new template that they like A, B and C or start talking about a custom approach. I, I also have a, a comment about that too. And and it's it's sort of a comment I guess on our procedure, and I'm not really sure if this is, I'm not really sure if this is correct. So this is just I'm just kind of throwing this out there. So one of the questions I kind of have is I've, I'm noticing a lot of there's a lot of people out there that are mostly just designers, let's say that will use something like Webflow, so they have maybe some CSS knowledge in that, and they'll use something like Webflow, which is a more advanced editor, and they'll actually put together a site for somebody. Now, Webflow does have its, because it's a closed system, does have its fair share of limitations, but also has a lot of strengths, of course. What I find is we often bump into, or like with our clients, we often bump into the edges or step right over them. Not necessarily just with Webflow, but with everything, with Couch, CMS, with WordPress, with Webflow, the whole bit. We always bump into or like skip right over the limitation and have to redo it or do it in a different system. 
I want to know how these people, and some of them do 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 this, run a company where they just use Webflow. And I'm wondering whether that is a bit of salesmanship on our behalf, where certainly they have projects that they have to turn away. So if someone comes to them and they say, I need a banking system, you're like, I use Webflow, I can't do that for you. But if someone comes to us and says, we want a web app, I'm wondering whether we're giving them too many options. I, I think you're right in uh, in a lot of different ways. And I think also we're being honest with the clients rather than trying to authenticate, like uh, trying to hide the fact that there's different ways to do something. Like I think we're we're telling them there are different ways to do something. And that is confusing the clients. There's no doubt about that. But it also is the honest way forward because, again, a lot of firms, like you said, do the exact thing where they – tell you we only use webflow these are the these are the limitations and they might not even say all the limitations right away and only after like once you've actually started building then they're like oh we can't do the a b and c and d and then the client's like well i need to do those and you're like well webflow literally can't so you can either we're going to continue it with the way we know how and that's it yeah like there's no there's no yes you know what i mean it's not like yes we're going to do it 100 percent, and that's it yeah, because there's there um, is some weird there are some weird limitations where I've had to work around them with JavaScript, and it's been pretty dicey or pretty hacky sometimes trying mm-hmm. to get certain functionality to work in Webflow. Which I you know props to the platform for allowing me to do little hacks like that to get things to work. But point of the matter is, a lot of people who do not have sort of the extensive re- the extensive knowledge that we have, not that I'm a massively professional programmer, but I we've been around the block, let's say. I'm at least able to know where to look for a solution where I think you're right, where a lot of people are just saying, these are what my websites are. And they're kind of selling it like a pack. Like you can't add a fourth camera to your iPad. You know, you can't be Mm -hmm. like, I want an additional two or three cameras or whatever. You know, you can't, you can't just do that. And so Apple's saying, here's your iPad. This is what it looks like here. You know, anyone, here's your mouse for your computer. You're not adding buttons to your mouse. And so I think that that maybe is how other web companies are doing it. And maybe that's how we should be doing it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. We, we Exactly. I, I'm not sure what the way we're doing it is correct either. Um, I know that we are being more flexible with our customers. And I think that is detrimental for us monetarily and just time-wise as well. Because we are allowing way too much freedom for them to be like, oh, well, this is easy. So you can do it. And we're easily being swayed by that too too often like we're not being swayed by it every time obviously but a lot of the times we're like oh yeah i guess that is easy so let's just do it and then we spend three hours doing it and then charge for like nothing um and that happens sometimes and that's okay but when it happens on a regular basis it's just it it really is hurting us yeah more than it is helping 100%. us in, that, in, in this scenario because the customer doesn't see it as a benefit to them they just think that what we're doing is easy we're not explaining enough of the fact that this is actually more difficult because of the system that we chose so with that being said, though, um, when you're choosing a template, when you're choosing a CMS, when you're choosing a, a whole framework system, and maybe the customer has an idea of like, let's, I want to be able to do this quickly, uh, but I also want to be able to be extensible in the future. Maybe a combination of a custom website and a template can work for you in that case. And when you decide to do that, one thing to look for is to make sure that the template has a way of exporting data. So let's say you have a, a you know a website that does a bunch of news about a specific topic, like chess or something like that, 
And the customer just needs to put in a bunch of information, like uh, the title and some pictures and, and, a, and a blog post or a link or something. All that information that they're putting in, what you want to make sure if you're ever going to move from that template is that, that that it allows for it to be exportable into some sort of CSV or JSON file or whatever. And then you can handle the importing on your own end at some point. Like if you do a completely custom design, you can write your own uh, import handler for it. You can write your own scripts. Uh, to be able to import just regular CSV or JSON files, that's all uh, on you to do that. But at least you have that data and you don't have to go and copy paste it all like file by file or like, you know, line by line, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Webflow actually does do that, Matt. I just checked yesterday. So you are able to export out of Webflow into a CSV. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, so so some people design their UI in, in Webflow and they just use it for that purpose. They export the code. And then they use that on somebody else's CMS, so like an API or something, something like yeah, whatever their whatever their product is, or yeah, or static so site exa- or whatever. Yeah, so they just use the Webflow as a CMS, and then they use their own like headless. It's like they use Webflow in headless state essentially, which is good, right? They, they basically it, they, use the designer. The yeah, yeah, okay. So that's cool. Um, so then the other that that would be that would be it for templates, like. That, that's when I would use a template is in those situations that I just outlined. Um, it's important, again, to know the limitations and what the templates are. That's, the, I think, the biggest thing you can take from this is understand what a template is, what it can do, and what it can't do. Now, moving on to custom websites, it's important to know what they are as well and what they can do and what they kind of – there's nothing they can't do, so I can't say that they can't do something because you can do whatever you want with a custom website. But there are situations in that – you can't, you just can't use a custom website. And there's a few of those and I'll mention them later. But a custom website is created from scratch, either from a framework or basic JS, HTML, or CSS files. They can consist of multiple pre-built components, but the basic foundation is created custom for the project. When you have requirements for your project, you're able to make a choice as to which framework library component you're going to use. So when you know that the site is a blog website, you're able to make the choice to go into WordPress and create a template yourself for that custom blog or whatever other CMS uh, that you choose. Like a, a blog would usually have a CMS. That's why I'm saying CMSs. You have the choice to do that and you have the choice to create the, to, to use either, you know, plugins or components that you think are going to work for that website and you have the choice to create them as well for yourself. So the big thing with custom websites is choice and be able to create your own custom stack. And with that, the, the advantages are with the flexibility of using your own stack, it gives you unlimited extensibility. So whatever the customer needs now and whatever he needs in the future, as long as you hammer out those requirements early, you can choose the right stack to be able to do that and have it scalable over the, you know, a, a five to 10 year period if, if need be. Now that's a big period and in web, in web infrastructure, that's probably too long. Maybe three years is more accurate, but regardless, you have the choice to create a very extensible project, uh, with, with a custom stack. So if a customer needs a quick information website right now, but has the plans to do a full blown membership site with a support form and an e-commerce in the future, you can choose the snack, the snack that the stack that will do that. So you can have like a regular, you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript website or a Vue.js website just created right now quickly with just a bunch of information to show to show that something is coming or maybe some products that are currently available. And then as that website is already launched, you can start building all the features slowly and time and money permitting for your customer uh, in the background 
and still have something available for the person to see, for, for the, the users to see. So you don't need to add everything right away. So you don't need to have a very bloated website right away. And you don't need, and the benefit of that is again, the package size is going to be smaller. So you have only what you need that you're displaying currently. You can optimize it better. And the SEO is going to be better because you're not going to have any dead links. You're not going to have any issues with the, you know, file, files being too big, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty big advantage when you have the flexibility of your own stack, as long as you're able to use it. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, familiarity with your own stack allows you to, to customize everything a lot quicker as well. So since you're, you're the one that chose to use the component for the slider or create the component for the slider, or you're the one that chose to use the, 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 to create a component for like the blog portion, if they need to quickly add like a list component to your, your, your blog, you know where to put that list component. Like you created it. So you should be able to go into your own code and okay, this is where I need it. So you just, you know, create, create that list. Um, whereas with the template, you would have to le- first learn where people have created those components, go in there. And then not only that, learn what syntax they used, what frameworks they used and create it with their frameworks in mind. So that's the, that's the big difference with the uh, custom websites to a template. Um, troubleshooting issues because of this is a lot easier because it's your own creation. You know where the issues probably are going to lie. So you can quickly fix them like console logs or just going through the debuggers, uh, inspect tools, stuff like that. Like you, you can get to the problem quicker if it's your own code and your own choices. And visually, there's a lot of unique elements you can add for eye-catching purposes. So something I didn't mention with the, with the templates is that if you use a very popular and good template, there's a very big chance that someone can view it and be like, oh, I've seen this kind of layout before. And that is kind of a detriment to the customer's experience because as soon as they see that, they know that you, you maybe have cheaped out and you can you can lower your brand's reputation because of that. Whereas with a fully custom website, you can create very interesting eye-catching elements that immediately show your brand or your like immediately kind of tie in your brand with the website with the UI elements. And again, this is barring the 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 fact that you know how to do this. And that's a big, you know, big asterisk, I would say like a lot. It's, it's not very easy to create eye catching elements. It's not really easy to create a really cool looking UI, uh, but it is possible with a custom website, whereas it's a little bit tougher with a template because you're using someone else's view of a, of an interesting UI and you're kind of plugging in your brand and trying to, you know, combine the two so that they look okay together. Whereas with your brand, you can create your own UI, um, because of that, UX can be designed specifically to drive customers to the important areas of the site. So if you're, for instance, it's important for a client to see what's new, the newest products that your, uh, that your, your client has. So it's important that the first, you know, their newest book that they just released needs to be eye catching to the user. That's important for them because they need to see it. They need to be able to know where to buy it, et cetera, et cetera. What you can do is, when a new book is made, and maybe it's not made very often, you can do a, a slight redesign to the homepage that will showcase that book's cover. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it will, it will use the elements of that book to tie in to the current state of the website, and then have have yourself be able to have the the client as, or the user as soon as they get to the website know that something new has happened. Especially if they're you know going back there constantly. As soon as they go back, and there's a big change like that where like 
you know, uh, maybe the banner, the, the banner is completely redesigned to integrate the, the new book cover. And like, there's a lot of new, like typography saying, you know, new book and stuff like that, that completely like does the eye catching purpose. And then they'll, they'll know what, what the client wants them to know. Essentially, it's a lot easier to do it with a custom built website as, as opposed to a template, because a template kind of the structure you can't really change. So you can't, you know, put a new banner up very easily you can't put uh you know the edging maybe you want some you know overflow book cover edging over the sides that that stuff gets a little bit hairy i i, um, I actually have a comment about, about both both the ui and ux together so yeah, one of the things that is sort of a trend well it is a trend uh overall in design on anything for the most part is minimalism so things are becoming more minimal and so distinguishing yourself is getting more difficult so from the UI side, it's obviously very difficult to distinguish yourself because if you're using templates that are already minimal, the templates themselves are having issues distinguishing themselves from each other. So that kind of means two things. Number one is that if you have a custom UI and a custom UX, you can sort of guide the customer through your own UI. And that could be really unique. So I've seen things like interactive timelines and stuff like that where it's very sort of pastel colors and very you control it with a scroll wheel like it's very simple but it's very unique and uh, so that's like a cool thing however it does give a little bit of credit which is nice a little more credit i should say to templates even if someone identifies it because a lot of so a, a good example is a lot of these startups a lot of these startups will have sort of like that three call design where they either have one or two things. They have a big slider up top or a big image, right? A big piece of media up the top, or they have a media playing in the background. And as you scroll, they have like, here's your three call design. Here's your two call design where they say like, this is our product. And this is how you find us. And this is how you talk to us. Scroll down. Our product's really good. Here's our customers. Scroll down. Here's our images. Would you like to talk to our clients? Scroll down. Here's a slider of our testimonials. That's a very sort of standard those are very standard pieces that can kind of get moved around a bit and get the content manipulated within them, of course. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to see how minimalism is sort of making it like, because you were saying, Mike, if people identify it's a template, then it kind of cheapens it. It, ex it exemplifies that and also credits it. It's a weird because, because we're getting so thick of uh, uh, again, bringing it back to cars, like a Tesla is, just a couple of little dials, depending on what Tesla, a couple of little dials on your wheel and then a big screen in the middle. If other cars copy that, I mean, are they really copying that? I mean, maybe your little switches and dials on your thing are going to look different and it's different colors, but now we're at the point where it's a tablet. No one says that Samsung is necessarily, at the, in this day and age, in the beginning they did, is copying the iPad with their tablets because it's literally a sheet of glass. The distinguishing feature is the software, and that's sort of where the UX comes in. And so I would say that this excuses the UI a little bit. You know, you're still correct. It still kind of cheapens it, especially if you're exactly the same as somebody else. But I would say this actually exemplifies the UX, where if your customer is not being taken through a journey, whether it's a standard journey or a very unique one, in your own way to an extent, again they're going to get an even cheaper feeling because there aren't many UI elements on the screen in a lot of modern sites. 
That's true. That's a very that's a very good point. The the fact that we're we're moving more and more and more towards simplistic design does bring the the point of, of of very similar sites. And like you said, similarity is not the worst thing in the world because if a customer if the you if you're making a site for the sole purpose of them knowing where to look for you, then having a contact us page, you know, where the where every other website has a contact us page should be your goal because that's the UX of it. You want your client to get to your site and get to the point as quickly as possible. If that's a, if that's your goal, right? So familiarity sometimes and copying sometimes is absolutely necessary. And you're right in the sense that some templates it's a, it looks the same um but what's the big deal because every site looks the same at this point. But on the other hand, if you're trying to be a differentiating brand and you're trying to kind of be an eye-catching brand, then that's that's a different story. And that's where a custom UX and UI, something that does kind of maybe shock the user a little bit, shock the client, that's where something that, that like that could come in come into play. And whether that's a bet like again, it, it's up to you to decide when you're either either for your own projects or for your clients' projects if they would benefit from a completely unique design or if they would benefit benefit more from familiarity so that the client knows where to go when they get to the website or the user knows where to go when they get to the website and actually a little a little small piece attached to that as well is this is also accentuating content a lot so we've seen customers where they say we don't care about the content and they'll be in a very specialized field where I'm not going to know anything about this field short of reading up on a couple of their competitors' websites. But I'm certainly not going to educate myself on their field for days on end just to write up some content. And we've had sites that have gone out that are in production that quite literally have like three lines of text. And they look like they're in a construction zone. And that's what, what that is, is that, again, is an attestment to there's very minimal UI elements because those UI elements at the end of the day don't matter that much. They're good for separators and holding things and wrapping things around and making sure that images don't blow out of proportion. Stuff like that, of course. And some of them are for visual elements, of course, for visual fidelity and whatever. But the content really matters. If you have a – we're spinning up a used car website right now. It looks really goofy with two or three cars in there. But once I added five, it started looking like a car website. And it took me forever because I kept, you know, tweaking, 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 kept like doing little changes, trying to ensure that the design looked good and looked modern. But in reality, it, it, it was. It was already sort of set up. It was just a matter of the content wasn't there. So once I put more dummy content, because there was some, once I put more dummy content, that it started, it started coming together. And I didn't need to add more goofy separators and arrows and other stuff that I was trying to add to make it look good. Yeah, absolutely. So that in, in that sense, like it is a very fine line between these like custom custom UIs and template UIs, uh, where the choice isn't very clear all the time, like which 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 one you should use. And I think a lot of it has to do with also your skills as a UI UX designer. Um, like like I said before, I don't have those skills. Like I'm not very good at it. I can usually tell when a UI is really bad. And I can create a very basic UX and UI, but I can't differentiate. I'm not a, I'm not an artist. I'm not a designer. I can't be that differentiating factor. Like my differentiation would be very subtle and very small and probably not work very well. So you got to kind of rely on your skills and the skills of your team. If you have a team and choose your path accordingly. 
based on those skills. And that's why templates a lot of the times do make sense for a lot of people because I said, as I said before, uh, if you're not one of those designers, but you have a very good technical background and you need to get your product out there, then a template is a very good solution because templates are usually designed with at least decent UX and UI because they're supposed to be used by a lot of people. They're at least supposed to be usable to an extent. Whereas if you were just design something out of your own mind without looking at all the different UIs out there, you would probably make something that's A, not recognizable to people out other than you, or B, it's just going to be kind of a clutter mess that looks like modern art or something like that. It's going to be weird, uh, which again, works for some t- works sometimes, maybe as a differentiating factor. But a lot of the time, if you're not an artist and you're not a UX UI designer, it's not going to work as well. Um, so having said that, that leads me right into the situations where it's not a good idea to use a custom site. And the main ones are always going to be that it's going to take way too long uh, or it's going to take longer than a template. So if the, if there's a time constraint of any kind, like a very, very specific time constraint and the website is fairly information heavy, uh, where you have to, you know, design a lot of little UI elements to, to show that information, then it's probably not going to be feasible to either take on the project as a custom website designer or to be able to do it in a custom website fashion uh, affordably and timely. And again, that leads me right into the fact that it's going to cost more to do a custom website than a template website, just because not only does it take more time, it takes more expertise, it takes more knowledge, and usually you're going to have to be a better web developer to be able to do it correctly. And as you become a better web developer, you should be charging more because it, there's a reason why it costs so much because you're putting in your talent, you're putting in your all the time you've invested to learning it, and you're putting in your expertise and your time into creating these websites that are are extensible, custom, eye-catching, uh, feature-rich or le- like uh, – feature rich but also optimized so that you're not having a million features that aren't being used in there so you're putting in that time to be able to guarantee your client that they are getting one of the one of like a premier website on the internet that's something that for them is important like it should be important for them as well as for you that's that's the give and take that you always want to have with your client it it shouldn't again it shouldn't be a relationship of you against them it should be you working together and a lot of the time custom websites are you working together to make a better product and if you don't have the expertise, like I said before, it just it, it might be functionally inferior depending on what you're doing. So it, it, it's a consideration that you should take into account. It shouldn't be your only consideration because a lot of the time you will have to kind of take the leap of faith in yourself where I, you will develop the expertise by doing. Um, but you kind of have to make that decision on your own depending on how how you feel your client will react. So if a client, if it's a client that's someone that is willing to work with you and it's seeming very understanding and they're, they know where you're at in your current web developer journey, that's something where you can take that leap of faith and do get your knowledge up doing the client, maybe give them a little bit of a discount because you're, you're, you're kind of learning as you go as well. But if it's a client that's like, I need this right now, right now, right now with, with X, Y, and Z features, and they're calling you every five seconds to see where it's up that's a different story where you might have to lean more towards a template and you'll have to explain to your client why. So for the most part, custom websites are almost the always the right choice, but with very big caveats of as long as you have the enough time and enough money. And those are huge caveats, obviously, that always make it kind of different <laughs> and the decision kind of muddy. And, but I hope with this, these definitions of the two and the comparisons, it'll be easier for you to decide in the future what you want to do for your clients or for yourself.
Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good point. Um and it's also really important to that's a really good it's really important to also remember that even if you are making a custom website that you will be using pre-built components. So you're not going to be making your own Google Maps. You're not going to be driving around a Google car, getting everything ready to go and like mapping out the earth. I've got my Google car ready right uh, now. I mean, I don't condone that. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, it's got one cell phone on the top and it's going to be recording everything. That sounds horrible. It's going to be the worst wind noise ever. The cell phone is going to come unmounted and it's winter here. So there's going to be ice all over the place. I kind of want you to do it as like a YouTube video now. But um, – <laughs> yeah, actually, please do. I created I my own it. Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, I now condone it. Like, we're gonna create our own Google Maps with three like S10s or something, and then like take off. No, and then, no, no. Like, an S4, a Nexus 6P that turns off every five seconds in the cold too. So it's extra in cold the cold. Here. Yeah, it only turns oh, off in the cold God. too. Yeah, so it's fantastic. We're gonna do it. I mean, I'll, stay tuned. I now condone it. Um, yeah, we're doing it with your no, car I, whoa, too. Whoa, 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 whoa! Can't scratch the roof. We're not. Yeah, we're, well, we'll have to mount something, like drill something into. Now, the hang roof. on a minute here. No, no, we're not going to scratch. We're going to drill a little bit of the roof, and then we're going to have a big. Just old a little leak. bit of drilling, just a little Dremel, little Dremel. I will condone a massive suction cup. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you want to see this. That would be some weird, like some really strange videos like that would be awesome. Like just to make it'd just be hilarious. Like, we're going to make our own Google Maps in 24 hours of just, like, this area and try to, like, make our own Google Maps of, like, Hamilton. That sounds horrible, actually. Um, That sounds absolutely horrible, but it sounds awesome at the same time. Get those oh, Instagram yeah. stories ready. <laughs> but, yeah, just if you're making custom websites, make sure you just don't go overboard and try to rebuild. Like, if you have a good slider component that can easily plug into your stack... Use that. Don't just, like, build it from scratch every time because you're going to get bored of picking sliders. Unless you're picking your own slider for your own future sites and you're not going to keep rebuilding it, then that's different. But, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, time for our sponsor spot. Unless you're about to say something there, Mike. Yes, I was. So, unfortunately, this this is being recorded in real life and I don't know if I'll be able to stay for the web news. Unless you want to make it, like, super quick, because I got, like, ten minutes. Okay, well, if you have the dropout, uh, I can do yeah. it, because that's uh, it was sure. my weird thing. Unless you want to record it later, but I think I can... I, I know I can do it solo if I need to, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll leave I'll leave it to you, Matt. I'll let, I'll let you do it solo, and you can you can tell us a sponsor spot. It's a very relevant sponsor spot, actually. It is, actually, yeah. So, uh, yeah, as, as it has been for the last few episodes, uh, our episode is sponsored by uh, the One Membership by Template Monster. One Membership, your ultimate web development kit. This includes uh, WordPress and CMS themes, uh, e-commerce themes. I'm putting an uh, emphasis on themes this time. Powerful plugins, pr- uh, presentation templates. Diverse graphics, unlimited installations, 24-7 technical support, and one year of free hosting. So uh, use our link, tinyurl.com slash htmlallthethings with our unique promo code that will get you 10% off. That's htmlallthethings10. Uh, we receive a monetary kickback for any purchases made using our link and promo code. And, of course, we will put a uh, a written link and a written promo code in our show notes so you can easily read that, copy-paste, and use that link, of course. Uh, so... Moving on from uh, from that, we have our web news. So uh, I know Mike has to take off, but our web news doesn't have a title because I couldn't really think of one. It, and and it's it's more of a conversation on it. It, it is related to this. Uh, so what the what this is is oh farewell, Mike. Farewell. So what this what this web news is is it it's it's coming from a place of I don't know whether we are providing our customers again with too much choice. 
But we have this problem, and it's not like the end-all be-all. Of course, we make websites and other people do as well. But we have uh, a... I want to say a crisis, but it's not that bad. What it is is it's a an issue of whether or what the customer wants in terms of an editor specifically. So one of the big questions that you that you need to ask your customer when you're when you're first starting out a project with them is, "Hey, do you need to edit this?" And if the answer to that is yes, then you know, okay, I need a CMS, right? Now, we have a couple of different tools in our tool set that we use, so we'll use uh, WordPress if we need to. Uh, we'll use CM or Couch CMS if we need to, which is for the smaller stuff. We'll use uh, we're, we're we're learning rather Typo, so Typo three. We're learning that, and that's another tool that's uh, entering our our tool set. And so we have a lot of options for different tiers and different things. But now it's a question of what does the customer expect, and it's hard to get that expectation from them. So we all oh we also have Webflow of course because that has a CMS component as well. So you know that's tacked in there as well. But what the issue is, is that a lot of customers will not, well, they're not tech savvy. And that's why they come to you for a website. And because they come to you for a website and they're not tech savvy, they don't really know what they were doing before. They just know like, oh, I was in this, this thing like that often. That's what you'll hear. I was in this thing and I was just editing the site. And so you're like, oh, okay, I'll use, you know, this is a five page site. I will use couch CMS. It's small or, oh, this is a, you know, medium sized site or a large size site. I'll use typo. Or oh, it's a large size site, uh, but it also requires a lot of uh, integrations into third party tools that uh, my, let's say my stack doesn't support natively. So I'll use WordPress because there's a lot of plugins for that. Now, one of the problems is, is that we, we've, we've come to a, we've come to a point where you don't actually know what the customer, what the customer necessarily expects. And you'll maybe present to them like, Hey, take a look at this site editor. And they'll be like, Oh, how do I edit on the page? That's an off, that's a question we'll often receive. And I'll be like, what do you mean? Like I, cause I'll ask them extensively, you know, what were you doing before? How are you editing? How do you expect to edit? Do you want to change stuff around? And I'll do it all in, in English and it'll be more formulated than that, of course. And I won't use many technical terms. And I'll be like, I just need to know what your expectation is. So I know what editor to basically use for you. And they'll say, oh, I just need a basic editor. I just need to change text here and there, blah, blah, blah. So then you you put something out there like Couch CMS, which does not have a page builder. And same with Webflow, does not have a page builder. It has a very small, or it has a, it has a visual component where you can visually change titles and some text in that. But generally speaking, you're going to be living in the CMS side of things, where you're basically filling out, you know, web forms or filling out forms, pressing publish, and then you're doing that. So kind of like the the WordPress side of things, but WordPress can also have a page builder. So as you can see, it's already getting kind of convoluted where now your, your customer wasn't really sure what they were doing before. And now they, and now you've made a whole website, let's say based on couch CMS and they were expecting a, a page builder and they had no idea what it was called. They're, they're just like, I need, I need to see this visually. Like, where can I, where can I drag in a new slider? And you're like, Oh, you can't like, you can only, you can only edit the existing components because you said you just needed to edit text and you didn't need to do anything else. And they're like, Oh, but we have a sale this month. And I need to, I need to have a slider to introduce the new products. Like I need to have a bunch of pictures of these new products because this holiday sales going on or whatever. And so that's sort of my web news or like, that's the, that's the premises around the web news is, is it's, is it's kind of a question. It's a question to the, like, it'd be nice to have uh, Mike to bounce this off of, but it's, it's a question of how do we get that those requirements from the customer? 
Sometimes it's as easy, okay, as saying, what did you use before? And they'll say WordPress. And you'll be like, oh, okay. So, you know, what did you use? Did you, you can ask them more technical if they're a little bit tech savvy. So you can say, did you use Visual Composer? Did you use, you know, another Beaver page builder? Something like that, a page builder. Uh, Or did you just use the blog? Like, did you just like, you know, type in blogs and that type of thing? So you can kind of, because you're now in the WordPress sphere in that case, you can actually have a conversation with them about what they did and you can actually kind of get a little bit more information. But if they were using like a custom page builder in the past, cause there's tons of tools out there like that are just all over the place. If they're using a custom page builder in the past or a custom CMS, they probably don't like you or you probably don't know what they were using. Even if they know what they were using, if they were using, I don't know, some X page builder, they're using, oh, I was using X, X page builder, X CMS. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, never heard of that before. Like, what's that like? And that's when you'll get that answer to that question. You'll get that, oh, I just, you know, it's just, I just edited some text here and there. But what they don't tell you is that I was editing text by clicking and dragging in a content box and like adding my own rows, adding my own columns, adding my own components because I have a sale every month or I have a sale every year. And I need to have a, a component that appears and disappears. And I need to be able to quickly change stuff around. And this especially is true for influencers or uh, like the kind of the creator model, where if you're making a website for a creator, let's say they're a woodworker or something like that, because they're, they're so in tune with what they're doing and because they're the creator of it, they're like the influencer of it. They, they really want to kind of have that, have that flexibility. And one of the things that really sucks is that maybe you don't like, maybe you don't want to do a WordPress site just because maybe that, I don't know, maybe the hosting is more, or maybe you just don't want to introduce them to WordPress because you think that they're not tech savvy or whatever. And then now you're missing this huge component. So I know I'm kind of talking in circles here, but this is sort of the issue that we'll, we'll bump into uh, pretty frequently. Uh, we have, we have had customers come to us and they'll say, Hey, you know, I, I, I like editing this in the form. Like it's no big deal, but sometimes I don't know where this title field is. And so I would really like to just browse to that page and click on it. How do I do that? And you say, Oh, we can't do that. Now, some customers just say like, Oh, okay. That's just the way it is. But some customers are like, well, how can we do that? And they don't realize that it's a whole redo just to get that component. So this web news is kind of boiling down to whether or not you need a page builder for your clients. Uh, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of throwing the question out to uh, you, the listener, as to how you get uh, that information from people. Now, what Mike and I do to outline that pr- process is, of course, we'll ask them. So I've already kind of gone through some of this, but uh, we will, of course, ask them exactly what they need, what they did before, what they want, and that type of thing. Uh, one of the things that I will do also is, and I'm starting this more recently is I will actually in the, uh, design document, cause oftentimes these are small businesses. So you don't do like the full nine yards. You don't do prototypes and everything to keep the cost down. You sort, or at least this is our procedure. We'll just kind of do wireframes, do a few meetings and then have like a really brief design document and kind of off to the races. But what I'm including now is actually what the editor is going to look like. And I'm actually including what what exactly I'm planning on putting into that CMS and how that is going to look and act and behave visually and functionally so that when they get there and they see, like when they get to the final product, we put it out in production and they see it, I'll be like, well, it was in the design document. And so that's sort of like a bit of insurance for me. Now that's a newer thing for me. Uh, that's a newer thing that I've been doing more recently. So that, that helps. Um, a lot of this does come down to talking to the customer, but Again, this also comes down to the type of customer. So 
as we talked about in the past, sometimes customers are super hands-on and they'll actually change, they'll actually change what they want. They'll change like, oh, I, I want a page builder. I, uh, you know, then you, you know, you put, you set up the page builder, you set them up with a, a nice template or something, a nice custom template or whatever in WordPress. You get Visual Composer in there or you get Beaver Page Builder and they're, you know, they're off of the races and then they're like, no, 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 I actually want it to be more efficient. I actually just want to be able to fill in a form and press publish or press save. And I want that to go into the site. Like, how can we do that? And it's like some people will double back on the idea. And it's just it, what, what this is, what, what, what we're digging into here is it's kind of two camps, two major camps or two major ideas ideas in terms of a CMS or a content editor for a website where do you want the customer to be able to easily go in there and add and remove, add and remove like full sliders and full paragraphs and full areas, headings, rows. Do you want them to be able to destroy their own page or do you only want them to be touching the content? And that's, that's a really difficult question to, uh, to answer. And so one of the things that I would do, one of the things that we do do as well, is for our really hands-on customers, I will actually send them a full report. I will, we'll we'll have like a full project meeting, and they will will get their requirements and that type of thing, and then I will bring them into the process, and I will say, okay, what we're going to do is this first few weeks are going to be all rough notes basically, and I'm going to send you a bunch of my research. Here's here's uh, here's how your project fits into Wix. Here's how your project fits into Webflow. Here's how it fits into what I would do custom. Here's how it fits into what I would do custom with Couch or what I would do custom with WordPress or what I would do custom with Typo. This is how it fits into all these. Here's the pros, the cons, the details. Which one do you want? And the hands-on customers seem to really like that. It, it is a longer process um, and you have to explain that to your customer out front. But the hands-on guys really love that type of stuff because they're seeing exactly uh, what's going to happen. You know, you're sending them web pages, you're sending them pricing, you're sending them pros and cons, you're sending them ideas. So sometimes you can be like, hey, I know you said you wanted to be able to edit this slider like this, but you know, maybe we shouldn't have a slider, we should have a carousel here or whatever, right, for their idea. And they really like that type of stuff. Now, for the customer that doesn't, that is not tech savvy at all, uh, one of the things that you can do as a UI UX person is you would, and I do this, is I like to really tailor the experience. So I don't really like to have a page builder because I'm always afraid of them breaking it. So if they're not, they're not tech savvy, one of the things that UX designers and UI designers do in general across everything is they hide controls that would normally be destructive. That's why advanced settings on phones, like, for example, the developer options are hidden behind some weird code thing where you, you know, let's say you have to go into the settings and do something, go into the settings, change a password or or, uh, type in a password or go into the settings and tap the build number a few times before the developer mode activates. Like, that's why it's gated. That's why it's not as simple as you turning off and on your ringer. It's gated because you don't want uh, someone who's not tech savvy or, or someone who just likes to poke around, doesn't actually know what they're doing to break something. And so what I like to do for those people is I like to tailor an experience. Uh, something like Couch CMS is a good is a good example. So Couch CMS, I will tailor their entire experience and make a bunch of the site automated based on uh, assumptions and uh, or, well, actually it is based on assumptions on their content. And what I mean by that is, let's say they have a we're doing a, a used car site right now. So let's just say we're let's just say a used car site. Um, so let's say you're using couch CMS for that and you're just listing the car. So what you need is like your car, the car name, the price, uh, one image, let's just say for simplicity and a description. So there's four fields. You don't let them stray from that. 
you don't make it so that they can add and add and add and add and add like a whole bunch of titles. You make one title field, uh, one image field, and you control the cropping and you suggest the uploaded size and stuff. Like you guide them through the experience. Uh, you have one description and you maybe have a maximum character count so that they can't just like ramble on and you tailor it so that your site is, your site's UI is designed to handle the min and maxes of those fields. And you can further it by saying these are optional. So you can say, oh, you know, you don't need an image, you know, like, let's say you just don't need an image right now. So the person can put up the name of the car, the description, the price, and then they could go outside and go and actually go outside and actually like, you know, snap a couple of pics of the car, come back. And even though it's already public, they could add the picture later. So you have to kind of really think about what your customer is doing UX wise. Um, for example, we've had, we've had a client where, uh, where they're on Webflow and they've, they've asked us like, Hey, you know, even though, even though we've gone through the process and we've shown them the whole thing and they've agreed to not have a visual editor, they thought that some more components of it was visual. And so they're like, Hey, you know, why isn't this working the way it is? And what I did was I walked them through the UX experience that I designed for them. And I said, this is, this is my thoughts. Like, you know, you're doing X task. Uh, and I designed this form so that it had like a title, a byline, uh, some social links, stuff like that. I made it so that it was, it was easy for you to click into this form and just fill the information out. You don't need to go into the page, look at it visually. You're confident that you know what it is. And once you do it a couple of times, you're going to know where that name is, where that byline is. You're going to know what it looks like and you're going to be able to tailor your content. And I made it so that certain fields were optional, certain fields were required, certain fields were whatever. So that if they're at the min or max, the UI changes its dynamic to the point where it doesn't look weird if something's hidden. It doesn't, it doesn't look weird if there's more there. It doesn't look weird if there, I guess there's not like two separators up against each other as we've seen on, or I've seen on many sites and UI designers see all the time where people are like, let's, let's say supposed to fill in four, uh, four rows in a table. And so the tables are just have like a real easy, like HR, like a horizontal rule separator. And the person doesn't fill in the middle field. So you have like two HRs on top of each other, nothing there. Like that just looks awkward. So you'll like design it such that there's only one HR there or one separator there. Stuff like that. And, and, and all this stuff sounds really small, but to the customer, it, it, it's a big, it's a big thing, right? It's a big thing because they are the creator. They are the person that owns the site and they want to be able to edit the content and have it be dynamic. And sometimes you have those guys that need to be able to destroy the page because they want to change everything. But you also have, again, like those guys that, just need the UI or just need the CMS. And they just need that basic, I need, like hold my hand through this. Don't let me make a mistake. Don't let me upload an image that's too big. Don't let me enter a title that's too long. Don't let me edit the meta, have the meta automatically pull in, like pull in nicely so that Google sees it. Uh, you know, don't, don't make me or like allow me to save. So that, that that's a big one. So one of the things that I'll do for customers is a lot of the time we'll have customers that are on the go. Let's say they're in construction or something like that. And they'll say like, oh, well, you know, I, I get the, or let's say they're public, they would never do this, but let's just hypothetically say we, they publish their orders publicly. So people know what they're doing. So they say, oh, okay, we got a work order. We got to build a new fence. So I go in and I add a new fence to the site, but I don't have all the details. So like, you know, we do three meetings with the customer and they tell us different things in each meeting. But I would love to be able to publish this stuff, not publicly, but maybe enter it into the form and save it as a draft to allow myself to then 
add to it as those meetings go on and then just publish it. So then it's like, you know, safe, secure, kind of backed up on the site and they already have it ready. And I've done that for people where even if it's something's required, you change the CMS such that they're able to still save it as a draft. And then they're able to go back and just add like that photo of that car or add that extra information about the fence, whatever, and then publish it. That's the big, that's the big thing. That's the big difference. Um, that's the big difference in, in how you can kind of steer your customer through, uh, steer your customer through the UX, if you will, of a CMS and kind of guide them through things if they're not tech savvy. So I know, I know this is kind of rambling because I'm, I don't have ideas to bounce off of Mike here because this is a web news supposed to be conversational. But basically what I'm getting at in like a real brief conclusion is there's basically high level two, two camps. There's the people that need to be able to do, have a page builder. There's the guys who need to be, they're like, I usually put them in like the creator class or they have a lot going on where they, they, they're a social media manager or something where they need to add videos and sliders and all this stuff. And they need to add, remove, you know, all these components. And they're usually pre-built components that are a part of a page builder and they need that stuff. They need to be able to add stuff for sales, delete stuff for sales. They need to add, I don't know, cars and delete the cars. They, 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 all this stuff. They need, a, they, they want to put pictures of their grandkids up there if it's a personal site and then delete them because those were, holiday pictures and they want those to go in a gallery like there's people like that that really want the full control and then you also have the guys that are all about the efficiency and they're just running a business the dude that just digitizes uh the cars in a huge in a huge used car lot the guys who just put the listings in he doesn't want any fluff he just wants to have you know the pricing the mileage the this the that the blah 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 the list goes on he just wants that and he just wants that as efficiently as possible and so it's really important to gauge your customer before you start working with a CMS and if you're getting started in web development it can be really challenging because obviously you're not versed in wordpress and couch and typo and whatever else is out there it can be really challenging and so that's one of the I want to say the tropes, but I don't think that's the right word. That's one of the things just to, to, to look out for is you have to – a CMS is a CMS, of course, but you have to look out for that customer, that customer type. And it's really easy to overlook the CMS's UX for the customer because you're just thinking like, oh, I built the site and the actual customer, like their customer, sees a car there and it's really nice and everything. But to the to, to the creator, they're going to be like – this is a disaster. I can't put my holiday sale up. Like I always have 10% off my cars. What am I supposed to do? You know, like, why can't I display this? It's a huge marketing thing. You know, visually I have big banners and stuff like that in my car lot, but why can't I put a new banner on my site? Like what's going on here? Why can't I change that? And so it, it comes down to more customer meetings, uh, more experience with different tools and kind of knowing what to do. Uh, and it, it's kind of a, it's kind of tricky. So I'd, I'd actually like to, Again, open it up to the floor, as I've said a few times. I, I kind of want to know what you guys do. Do you guys force your customers into one thing? You just say, no, this is the limitation and this is the, you know, this is, this is the limitation. This is how my stack works. Uh, this is how my tool works. If you're just a Webflow guy, oh, this is how Webflow works. Sorry, I can't add a full page builder. Uh, you know, I can't do it. Do you tell them that in the beginning? Do you tell them that after? Uh, do you, like, how do you, how do you do it? Uh, do you, are you, uh, do you refer to another person? Like, Hey, like if you find out early in the process, do you refer them to, Hey, I know my, my, my buddy Jim's really good in WordPress. It sounds like you, you've used visual composer in the past and you really enjoyed it. Maybe you need to use visual composer, something like that, you know, and you get a referral there. I, 
I I really I'm really, really curious as to how the the masses the masses like sort of bring this up uh, and uh, deal with it. So I don't know. Let me know. Um, hit me up on on hit us up on our HTML, all the things, uh, Twitter or something like that, uh, and and or our D- Discord, of course, if you're in our Discord, because I and and uh, tag me because I'm I'm actually legitimately curious as to how how people steer it and do you turn customers away like what what's the process there like we're we're mike and i are sort of general developers we're kind of scrappy and that we'll kind of tailor ourselves to the customers and do a lot of little custom things but i know that some people are are more agency focused um and they they're you know they they have a lot of sites and they need to get through them and they need to be efficient so again really curious about that uh and uh, i'd be really interested to hear your uh hear your thoughts on that but anyway uh a very one-sided one uh, web news which is really weird uh but anyway uh <laughs> I, thank you for listening <laughs> i'll run the conclusion now thank you for listening and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice uh you can follow us on the socials via at html all the things that's on facebook and instagram you can also follow us on twitter via at html everything we're on medium and we're on github and uh, we're also on patreon that's patreon.com slash html all the things Check out the tiers and give that a go and make sure, or, and, and make sure, and many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Uh, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. You can find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. You can find him at localpathcomputing.com. Craig, aka Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer. Find him at selfmadewebdesigner.com. And Tim from The Web Hacker. Find him at thewebhacker.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you're listening to this on. And we, or I'm, signing off.